0: Comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network.
1: The PKD Black Box is a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. This is the Black Box. Last time this gentleman was on the Black Box podcast, he came on the show to talk about his uh, fantasy novel ebook called Catalyst the passage of hellfire and before that he came on the show and we talked about some beast wars and some like transformers and some cartoons and he told me about um how beast wars is one of the greatest things on the face of the planet and i should be ashamed because i haven't watched it all yet i'm glad to have this man back on the show ladies and gentlemen Uh, author um former podcaster but all around busy man uh, Mr. Mark Johnson. Mark, how you doing, sir? Same old soup, Sean. Just reheated, man. Hey, man, but as long as it's tasty, it's all good. Yeah,
0: it's kind of, you know, mediocre.
1: Man I'm, tr- man, I'm trying to instill some positivity into your lifestyle. <laughs> Just a little bit. Just a little bit.
0: <laughs> uh, did you ever get around to watching Beast Wars, by the way?
1: I got to watch like the first 10 episodes, and it was incredible. And now I need to go back and finish. I just, dude, you must understand. I get to watch the, like the last three and a half years. I have watched very little television. Um, but you work in an office, right? See, see, you get it twisted. See, I I, I, I work in, I work in an office, but I work IT, which means I'm either always on the go. Meaning I'm like going from office to office you know fixing stuff or uh, you know or knee deep in assignments where I have to do research see like I can't be like some cats like I know some people that are in the IT field man like they'll take forever to like answer their service calls they'll like sit in their office and like watch 15 episodes of Duck Dynasty and mm-hmm. I'm like I don't know how y'all do that I do that shit I get fired so I don't I don't get all that free time at work to be to like catch up with some stuff on Netflix and, and, all, and all the stuff on you know wherever people watch shows now Um, i heard that like hulu is no longer free
0: there's a there's a paid service they still have a quote-unquote free service but um and they they really cut back the amount of things that used to be free or you have to wait longer If, if it's especially if it's a fox show Oh yeah. So yeah, Hulu. Hulu sucks, man. Hulu. Uh, <laughs> like, if you had a choice between the two, yeah, you know, why are you going to pay for Hulu?
1: Netflix is great. I mean, yeah, it would be awesome. Some of the stuff came in a little bit quicker, but still, for what we pay per month to use it for streaming and and every now and then to get like uh, you know actual discs, um, you know, for certain movies, I, I can't really beat it. You know, I mean, it's it's literally the base uh, how can i say it's not the new way to watch television television it's pretty much for those that have viable high-speed bandwidth it is the it is the way to watch television now because you're no longer a slave to to a network you know what i mean
0: yeah yeah but then you run the risk of like falling behind on shows unless you're one of those people that You know, they wait till the season's over and then marathon it, which I'm I'm not.
1: Yeah, see, I think that's. But see, I think this is what Netflix and DVD box sets. It's, cre- it's created a new generation of how we how we watch programs, which is great. I you know because you can watch a program any way you want. You know you like to watch your stuff weekly. Sometimes like certain shows, certain shows, certain shows for me, I have to watch in bunches. Other shows I could watch weekly. Other shows I'd rather just wait until like the entire season is available because they try to like come up with like these complex storylines and intertwine everything together I'm like quit trying to jock lost just do you but, but for shows that try to do that type of thematical uh, you know thematical sequence sequencing yeah. for the show I'd rather watch everything in a bunch so I can absorb it and enjoy it more than watching it fragmented so yeah but yeah the way we watch tv now is just it, it's 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 crazy it's amazing but it's it's just it's it's nuts but um tangents aside um last time like i said before last time you were on the show um you were talking about your ebook uh, catalyst uh catalyst the passage of uh, of hellfire of hell's fire and we were talking about ebook distribution um the process that um, you took to, you know, as an author to write the book, get it together, get it formatted, and to get it, uh, you know, to make it to, v- to make and <clears throat> tongue tied to make it available digitally for sale in all these different outlets. Now that was over over a year and a half ago, and I'm sure there were a number of lessons that you've learned since then, and also the ebook distribution um, process is different from the last time we've talked. So you have a new book coming out and we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about that new book, but let's talk about some of the lessons that you feel that you've learned um, since then. Well, hmm. what what did I learn?
0: (laughs) I learned, I think I learned my number one mistake was I targeted the wrong, the wrong audience. Uh, And then I might've, it might have hurt me in the reviews. Um, probably did, to be honest. But then, as soon as I started targeting the right uh, audience, I, th- I think things. Well, at least the reviews got better, certainly. But yeah, that's probably my. I want to say my biggest lesson learned. Yeah.
1: Now, now, in saying that, because you said you said you feel you targeted the wrong audience for reviews. When you targeted that audience for reviews, did you feel in the beginning, like first off, what was that audience? And did you feel when you wrote that book, that's who the audience was for?
0: Well, when I write, I don't, I don't, I write for myself. I did like, I do a lot of things for myself. I'm very selfish that way. But when I write, I I don't think about anyone. Uh, it's only afterwards when I was like, how am I going to sell this? Or who am I going to sell this to? Then did I uh, decide to figure out an audience because there's no such thing as uh And one of my marketing friends told me there's no such thing as, you know, there is no target audience. It's for everything. He's like, that's a bullshit answer. Um, But I I targeted it because my book is a a YA fantasy. So I targeted my first book on, like, the fantasy uh, readers, you know, the the people, like, the geeks I I game with when I used to play L5R, when I board game, they'd have these rows of – uh robert jordan terry goodkind george r R. martin like i targeted those those nerds that i hang with and i am also you know a geek or nerd whatever i targeted those people and then things (laughs) didn't quite work out (laughs) i don't know dudes i guess dudes didn't like my book uh girl i find girls like it more Mm -hmm. um but then i i switched it and then started targeting you know the the ya the young adult market even though I'm not still entirely sure what YA is, except uh, that it stars a young protagonist because I think YA YA deals with some heavy themes. It's not like The Hobbit. I guess that's considered YA. It's not like that. It's more like The Hunger Games or Divergent or Patrick Ross's uh, series that I'm blinking on. It's very... It just stars, but they deal with uh, you know, uh, sex, drugs, rape, murder... um, death and all those things so i targeted that audience instead of the traditional high fantasy uh audience and i think things uh wouldn't went better for me not not to say that everyone liked it because i think i ran into another roadblock (laughs) (laughs) because uh ya is like i'm actually writing a blog post about this but ya is predominantly female So it was when my main character is uh, a guy and i don't know whether it's because you know you know we're guys sean so yeah guys are uh emotion uh, what do chicks say to me uh emotionally unavailable right <laughs> <laughs> you know so I, that so some people didn't feel a connection with Hellsfire. i have gotten some feedback with the second book saying they they get that connection but even if they didn't like my book they did like the uh the love interest the uh, the woman the main woman the girl the princess in the first books
1: because you've self-published this book Hey, this didn't go through a publisher. We we live in an era now, especially now in the digital era, where we have more people self-publishing their own material. Um, You know, some of it great, some of it not so great, some of it you know in the middle. You know, but to me, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I think it's I think it's a great time for for creator own work to get out there and and you know whether it be no matter what form of entertainment whether it be a novel a comic book a, you know film music we have the tools available to us to do this now and we also have the availability to learn more about the industries that we want to hop into because we have the internet available to us well to those that have it available now granted it doesn't always you know, make for a happy ending or, or, you know, or for like the greatest work, you know, the greatest works, um, ever created, but there are always lessons learned and you take those lessons. And then when you go around, you go about it the next time you know, it, you, know you, you know, you have a better, hopefully you have a more successful chance, uh, no, I'm sorry, hopefully you have a better chance at success. And, you know, and, and you should with your sequel, because like you said, you know who your audience is now. You know how readers felt about your first book. And, and now that you know that, now granted, the audience shouldn't cultivate what, you know, what the story should be but now you kind of know who you're dealing with as far as as far as your audience, your your quote unquote target audience, your reader base, and um, you know what you expect from the story yourself, and what you kind of think the readers are going to say when they get it.
0: But there's a I think there's a huge difference between self publishing a book and doing uh, comics, uh, movies, or uh, album, because with those you can generally get a feel for the product within the first few minutes whether you listen to it or uh, comics you can you know it's easier to go through a portfolio look at the pictures or a movie first minute or two see how the production value is whereas in a book it's only now probably losing that stigma a little bit but it's you know it's still kind of there Uh, a book you kind of have to invest even if it's just to read the sample which is a few thousand words you still have to invest the time you know in a book Uh, you gotta invest a lot more time than anything else and you you really just use like one sense uh your mind is that a sense i don't know as opposed to you know your eyes you can quickly glance at something or your your ears quickly hear something so yeah it's it's rough um and uh, it doesn't help that, man, there's, dude, there's a lot of uh, fucking drama in the writing slash publishing community, <laughs> which I try to stay away from. There's like a whole us versus them thing going on. And uh, I don't know. I, I just want to write and you know, get my get my story, just one story out there before I die and go to the Galapagos Islands. Those are like my <laughs> two top things. Right
1: now, now, why do you feel, though, that there is an us versus them um, uh, you know type of um feeling right now in like ebook like novel pub in, in novel publishing why why do you feel that there's a us versus them
0: no no dude there's i don't there is an us versus <laughs> them. it's not like i feel it's like you 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 read the okay i can understand a lot of the traditionally published by the the five companies five or six and whatever in new york a lot of writer writers, how can I put this nicely? I probably can't. We're egotistical, right? We we when we write. It's like we. It's all touchy feely. It's all about us. Me. It's kind of like Kanye on a lower scale, on a more personal scale. Uh, but at least he makes great music. Yes. I don't know if all the books are good. Um, <clears throat> but. So we want, we crave the validation, right? I suppose most human, most human beings do want validation of some sort. So even if you can have good sales, the fact that uh, a New York publisher like Penguin or something will pick you up, and then you have, well, before that, your agent will tell you this good, and then their editor, and then those people, like you get a lot more validation, even if the payment is a little suspect and very slow, and the publishing it out. As opposed to, you know, doing it yourself, you get a lot less validation except for money-wise. But money, I mean, people like to think money is the greatest thing. You have to do something with money. So it's, does it, it's not great in validation. If you get a lot of money, then you can buy yourself, say, a boat and be like, oh, I bought this boat with my book works you know what i mean i bought this house or a car or something so uh, writers just crave validation man It's always like like if you go to writers forums i see this a lot more than any other forums i frequent they're all so guys what do you think of this cover what do you think of this blurb how should i market this uh should i pay for advertising here they ask all these questions they don't like they're not certain their writers are probably the less certain out of all groups of types of artists wise uh maybe it's because feedback will take a while like a musician you can get instant feedback in the like american idol or the voice they'll be like that shit sucks um we can't get that with writing uh so i don't know it just created these two separate camps and a lot of the traditionally published people they're generally older right so And if they're successful, they don't need to change because it's worked for them for 20, 30, 40 years. Uh, While a lot of the indie published people, they're not as young as me. Uh, (laughs) They're still younger. And uh, uh, they feel like they have something to prove, you know. Mm -hmm. Like, I do feel that way in, in general in life. But when it comes to writing, I'm just like, well, you know, I write for myself. I don't. Uh, people, I love it when people give me feedback and like my books, but yes. I'm not all, I gotta, I gotta show you how good I am, man. I gotta, a, you gotta show me validation. Although it is nice when I do get the occasional email or book reviews. It's <laughs> well, always
1: great. Well, no, I, th- I think that goes for anyone, no matter what What they create. If they get that email that says, hey, man, that was pretty cool. You know what I mean? That, I, I think... Everybody wants that. Everybody wants that one email or form of validation to say, "Hey, what you worked on, I really enjoyed." Everybody wants that, no matter what it is they do. We also do live in an, in a in an instant gratification enforced society, uh, you know. And so, yes, you are right. Yeah, if you if you want to check out a, a movie, you can look at it for a few minutes. and Say, "Oh, wow," you know. Okay, that might be all right. Let me let me let me go further into it and watch it some more, or. Like you said, listen to a song. Uh, you could listen to it for thirty seconds, and you might not dig it. You may dig it. You may keep listening to it. So there, there. So the way you absorb something differs from thing to thing. But yes, with books, you do have to dig in and read. But I, but the thing is, is that that shouldn't be a punishment. You know what I mean? And the biggest problem is, I think that we live in an era where a lot of people lack patience, so they may not. Take the time to read a snippet from a novel because they feel that it shouldn't take that long to do. To me, that's silly. Uh, you know, it, it, it's it's just silly. It, it's it's silly to me. I don't understand that. But I mean, there. And, and as far as the whole us versus them um, situation when it comes to publishing, you know, self-publishing versus actually, you know, dealing with publishers. I mean, there are there are a number of those that have self-published that did so well successfully that publishers looked at what they did and said, okay, um, you did that by yourself. If you hop on with us, you could possibly make even more. I mean, like say for instance, somebody like, um, maybe I want to say like, uh, either a, uh, Heather, Heather killer Walden or an Amanda Hocking, um, maybe even a John Locke, you know, cats like that, you know, those people have done very well. And and also, self-publishing now, once again, is different because we are in a digital era. We have people with Kindles, we have people with Nooks, other types of reading devices, iPads. And so there isn't once again but see there's instant gratification that way so there is even instant gratification with books because now instead of somebody having to go to the bookstore to try to find your self-published book and place a special order in the hopes that they can find it they can just get it like that
0: I agree with you but the, the problem is like those names you named they're really just the the top the top dogs it's right. hard it, publishing in general it's hard to get a feel for how successful like the majority whether it's indie or traditional published it doesn't matter like the numbers there's no certain way to see who's doing well cuz you know with comic books even though the numbers reported are just uh, uh the comics sold to stores not the the sell through rate you, you still get a feel uh, but with books you don't really get a feel like you really don't know. It really is. You're in a bubble. You write in a bubble, and then you kind of market in a bubble. You pretty much do everything by yourself, uh, so you don't really know how it is. That's probably why the validation, <laughs> that <laughs> combined with the huge ego, <laughs> is probably why things are so bad. Let's try to stay away from all that it's it's somewhat interesting but the arguments I've seen uh, across the like the on the interwebs it's it's very it's very it's worse than like you know Xbox versus ps3 <laughs> it's it's like I mean are you it's like are you serious ah, I don't know dude I'm all I I know I haven't been at this long, but I'm kind of already disenfranchised, which is why you know I, I distance myself from all that stuff a little bit.
1: No. Yeah, no, I, I, I get it. It's okay, dude. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. Right. Well, look, <laughs> let's let's move on to the next subject. You know, we were talking about ebook publishing. Yeah. And now the last time we talked, we talked about e- when we talked about your book Catalyst, uh, the Passage of Hell's Fire. You had talked about how you used um, Smashwords and um, a couple other venues to get out the book digitally and uh, to get it formatted and whatnot, We're a year and a half later, we now have different ways to put out books digitally so they can get onto a Kindle, a Nook, um, an iPad, um, if you live in Canada, a Kobo, or just read them, you know, on your computer at home or any other type of reading device. Um, this because a perfect example is of, of this is that when we last talked, graphically, at the time, was just doing digital comics distribution. Now graphically does ebook distribution and it doesn't matter what your book is it could be a comic book it could be a call co- you know a, a digital coffee table book it could be a novel it doesn't matter what the book is it could be anything and they provide ebook distribution services for you know for a decent price you can have your book on the can you know available in the kindle store the nook store um, the you know the the um, you know itunes the ibook store Google Books, um, you know, Android, Android Store, um, which is actually just a Google Store, um, you know, the Kobo Store, everywhere. And it it may be even down the line, digital libraries. So that has opened up a whole new venue because let's let's be real, a couple years ago, you know, publishing this stuff was difficult because you had to learn the formatting you cuz and not and every different every different um device has different formatting. So you had to learn how to format these books digitally and all this other stuff. And now, you know, you have a company like Graphically which is simplifying that and you can still do it yourself if you want. And I mean, and even with the Graphically service, you can still format it and work with them and put it together so it looks the way you want it to look and then you hit that button and they take care of all the processing for you for all the different formats. So you know, it's different than it was a couple of years ago. Now, with the you know, with the upcoming release of you know the next book for you, what venues are you going to use to make sure that you can get your book out to as many people as possible?
0: The book is out now, Sean. By okay. the way, well
1: you, well, you didn't tell me that before we started recording.
0: <laughs> Sorry I told you that. No, you did not tell me. See, ah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't oh, it, matter. it does matter. It's important. We'll pretend this is recorded before <laughs> before the book came out, even though it's not. Uh,
1: <laughs> it doesn't matter, dude. Yeah. It, um, it, it matters to me. I need to be informed.
0: <laughs> ah, You're not seen my one promotional post? Uh, my tweet? Like I don't tweet see, see, all the time. See
1: that that's the thing, man. Like, you know, you could have sent that post at like three in the morning and and that's like six in the morning for me. I'm just getting up. I'm and like I might and your tweet is already buried. See. Yeah. see? you got to let people know well, if no, people the, if people don't I'm, know how they going to buy it
0: uh, some people you, know, you didn't like my Facebook fan page or subscribe to my blog. Because you didn't
1: tell me you got a Facebook fan page, brother. You I got to tell <laughs> brother. You got to tell me these things.
0: <laughs> I'm on Goodreads. I'm in the air everywhere, as I used to say on my old show. Um, What was I gonna say? Oh, okay. But it is out now for anyone who who wants to buy it. Um, uh, distribution. So. I know there are a lot of I like I I'm surprised I forgot I graphically did that. There are a few things that do that distribution stuff like I wanna say Book Baby and I can't think of any others. Um, but I pretty much did the same thing as last time. Uh, formatting is really fucking easy. It's not like, I used to kind of know HTML, but I, I forgot everything. It's, it's easier than HTML, like, I'm talking basic uh, s- sophomore year, high school HTML that I did. Um, so, a formatting, really, you just take, I don't know, I, I want to say a weekend, but you can really do it in a day. And Smashwords, I still use Smashwords. Uh, they're great great style guide. Um, and then uh, i use them to to distribute to like apple and kobo because it's either hard to get in those places like apple i don't have a mac uh, and then kobo they have a you can do it yourself but um yeah there's things i heard is really wonky and i haven't like I looked into it, but it's it feels like it's still in beta mode. And then some places like Sony, you can't do it yourself. But for like some, I think some of these distributors are kind of I don't want to say scammy, but we'll say scammy because you, it's formatting is really easy. And then once you format, all you do is upload a file. You just go click click, you know, fill out your name, uh, your blurb or whatever. And then you're done, dude. <laughs> it's like, and then you wait like a day and it'll be processing for Amazon or uh oh you upload your cover image too. Mm-hmm. And and then it's it's quite easy, but I've seen some of these places charge like I wanna say three to five hundred dollars to format and upload a book and it's like
1: See, that's crazy. Like see no no, see that that is absolutely crazy. Like say for instance, like um with with graphically, as an example, um, like, and this is for comic books. Now, granted, it's still a book. So let's just say it's a book. But this is like, say, for instance, if I had a, a graphic novel that I wanted to publish digitally, I would take the PDF file, go to the Graphically site, start an account, um, upload the book to them. And once I upload it, I can go page through page and do like guided authoring view and set up the guided authoring view for every single page the way I wanted it to be. Check it all out. And then say, okay, for let's, I think it's like 150 bucks, take this book that I formatted, take this book and put it on Kobo, Kindle, Nook, make it available. I'm sorry, make it available for the Kobo, the Kindle, the Nook, Google Books, and the um, iTunes bookstore. Go. Mm And they handle the formatting. They hand, like, because they'll have the book, and they're like, okay, this is the way the author wants the book. Okay, make sure it's formatted for the Kobo that way. Make sure it's formatted for iTunes that way. Make sure it's formatted for Kindle that way. And they take care of it for you. They let you know when it's out. Boom, done. Okay. Uh,
0: Well, I think, see, but I don't know how much of a difference there is. I assume there's a lot, because you're dealing with pictures. Yeah. You know, pictures with words is like, significantly harder than me and, you know, 120,000 words of just text.
1: Yeah, no, I feel you. Uh, trust me, I feel you. Yeah, it's, it's a completely different thing because, like, with you, you know, you have to make sure, because, like, your formatting is different than, than say, for instance, a, co- a comic formatting. You have to make sure that the, page, just that the page is straight, that it's in, we're talking about, like, you know, English formatting rules, that it looks right that it's proper. And, um, and then when you create that PDF or whatever file that you have to create for your, if you're using HTML, that it flows properly. So, you know, so yeah, what you're doing is a little bit different than what I'm doing, but also at the same time, there are a lot of similarities. So yeah, man, but, but that's the, but that's the great thing though. The ability now to have more outlets to do this with, and also once again to have the information out there to do that as opposed to a few years ago where certain people knew how to do it But they sure as hell were not going to share that information. Yeah, it's it's a really it's a great thing It honestly is and you know, and that's why I Implore people to give it a try, but please talk to people before you do it. You know what I mean? Don't just go willy-nilly and Just do it and automatically think hey, you know, I'm gonna be rich it, there's a lot to publishing books, whether it be novels, comics, or publishing anything, creating anything. There's a process, and you have to know. You have to, you have to know what what's your level of expectation. What is it that you feel? Either a you're going to get out of this, or what do you want from this? And I think a lot of people don't do that before they publish a project they don't know okay you know some people just say hey i just want to write a book and that's it well then that's cool or some people might say i just want to do a comic well that's cool that's great but what are your overall goals that you have for this once this project is done you know do you know how you're going to get the word out about your book do you know who you're going to talk to to see who can review your book do you know how much you want your book to cost? Do you know you have to answer these questions so then that way you don't feel let down after the book comes out and you haven't made three hundred four hundred thousand dollars. You know what i mean it's you have to have some rationale and i that and that's the one. Ah, it's one of many problems. Like I said, there's pros and cons to everything. But with self-publishing, that's one of the, you know, that's that's one of the that's one of the cons, is that sometimes people don't really know what they're getting into.
0: Well, I, I agree. Oh, I think it's because most of these artists type people, um, you know, writers or actual artists in comics cases, they're not they're not businessmen. Uh, so there's a lot. It's still relatively simple, at least, you know, to I guess publish it from a book's perspective. But there's still a lot of little things and you have to... I don't know how much traditionally published uh, authors that aren't named Stephen King or Anne Rice are very big. How much of a marketing they they get, a push behind them. Mm-hmm. But you, So you still have to do that. You have to do a lot on your own. And uh, I guess I can understand why they feel the... Weight of the world on their shoulders sometimes.
1: Yeah, oh, but of course I, I get that. But as long as you walk in knowing that you know you may have to take that on, then as long as you have that understanding. you should be okay. okay. Or at least be able to, to understand what's going to happen so you can mentally and physically prepare yourself for what may happen down the line. And I think that's the one thing that a lot of people don't prepare themselves for. They don't prepare. And and, and that's and, and that's expected from some people because some people are just creators. Okay, that's what they do best Like you said, not everybody's a businessman or businesswoman But the thing is you don't have to be a businessman or businesswoman per se at least If you don't want to be a businessman or businesswoman as well as a creator, that's fine But at least have some Common business sense
0: Well, and some people don't have these uh, Sense, Sean
1: <laughs> <laughs> No, but you have, but see, but the thing is You had the common sense To use an editor And see, and that's where, and that's where, like, a lot of self-publishing gets a bad rap from "quote unquote" pros, uh, you know, professionals, because they will knock self-publishing because they'll say, "Oh, that's just a bunch of people with bad grammar, terrible formatting, run-on sentences, and things of that nature." But not not every self-published book is like that. And, and you dealt with an editor for your first you know for the first novel And I'm sure you probably dealt with an editor um, yeah, yeah. You know, the same one for the for same the one. How was the experience the second time around uh, compared to the first?
0: Well, the good thing because my editor is expensive. she costs like 40, 45 bucks an hour, and my books are long. Um, and I get multiple edits. So the good thing with the second book is that I was able to pay for some of it. With the first book sales, coincidentally, I'm still in the red, people. So if you want to <laughs> <laughs> buy my book, that'd be great. Uh, but it was, it was, it was good uh, having an editor. I mean you need an editor? Uh, I don't. Unless you're a, like a, a damn like a, a Mozart type writer, uh, which you're, you're not probably. Um, you're gonna need an editor, and I, I understand. I mean, I don't agree with it. But I understand uh, authors that go, I'm going to use the, the money I sell for this shitty book. Okay, they might not say shitty book. But I'm going to use the money I sell to to get an editor because they can easily you know, upload a file again. But the problem is, it's kind of like the chicken and the egg thing. The problem is, I mean, you, odds are you're not going to sell because it's bad. It's not even... Uh, I think the one misconception people have, the the number one when it comes to editors, is what editors do. And a lot, not just, you know, the normal person, a lot of writers seem to think that editors just work on, you know, uh, like you said, grammar or, uh, you know, the basic typos and all that crap. And that's, like, the last thing you want to get done. Because what an editor should do, at least there's you should get worked on. Mm-hmm. And you can get it worked on through beta readers first. Is It's called uh, structural or developmental editing. And that is probably the number one mistake that uh, at least indie writers have if they not hire an editor they don't or even if they do they don't pay for that and what those editors do the developmental editors is they work on a story structure so my editor in the first book she helped me you should have seen the earlier drafts it was a pile of shit um she helped me like she would go um well here you said she would catch content like here you said he she had i don't know green eyes and here you go, she has blue eyes. But then you go here, it, she would be like, here it seems that Hell's fire, he seems kind of whiny and a little self-involved. Uh, maybe how? here are some suggestions to do this, this, or this. Or here you go, ah, uh, Crystal seems kind of clingy. And then this doesn't make sense, because why would he run into that here? It, like, she would bring out those things and make suggestions. And I can choose. i I probably... Uh, kept 90, 95% of her suggestions, ignoring the biggest one, which was switching it to third person. But I could choose those, or I can come up... Like, sometimes she gave me things, and I was like, oh, well, if I do that, and then I... How about I do something different? Like, she would give me new ideas inadvertently. But a lot of times I would run up on her own and go, that's a good idea. Or she'd be like, maybe you could flesh this more out here. And then I'd go, oh. And then i think, oh, down the line, that'll affect that. So... That's like the main thing, getting that content editing. Uh, it's also uh, very expensive because while she would uh, point out some typos or whatever, uh, she wouldn't catch a lot of it during those web because she's not looking for it. So they like she would have to read it, and then I think uh, if at least I want to say there would be she'd give me like eighty to a hundred pages of notes like she'd go notes of the overall story and then chapter detailed chapter right chapter and then marginal outlines and it really it really was a blow to my ego at least for the <laughs> first book because i was like i spent two thousand dollars for this shit <laughs> like it, it was like a kick in the nuts so it was it was like man i thought i was an okay writer but i was like wow i really got a lot to work on it's a lot to take in you yeah. see all that red and you're like this file is how long have I got to go through all these notes? And it's just, it's just like, man, do I really want to do this? Can I stop here? But but and but, it, but it's
1: necessary though. It, it it's necessary to, it's necessary to have that happen.
0: It, yeah, oh, yeah, I I agree. I like to think. I don't know how much time editors have in New York now, uh, with the way jobs are and everything. But I like to think there's a back and forth, like between editor and writer and i would have this back and forth the difference is it would come out of my own pocket instead of uh, a new york publisher's pocket so i'd get this back and forth and i can call her you know if i had any questions or email her and i would oftentimes after i'm done and so but it it hurt dude i don't know how how do you do that in comics how do you how do you put like you know princeless which was nominated for won an award right
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. It won it won uh, some Glyph Glyph awards and uh, had that Eisner Eisner nomination or two. Um, well, the thing is, okay, you got to look at it like this. Action Lab also has like an editor in chief, and you know an editorial crew. You know what I'm saying? So, um, you know, your writer will turn in a script. To you know, you know, for books that are going to be published by <laughs> Action Lab, like after the pitch is given, and the publisher says, "Hey, we think this is going to be really great. Um, come on down." Um... They'll turn in their scripts. The editor-in-chief will look at the scripts and say, okay, I see what you're trying to do here. This, you know, Or they might say, look, man, this script is great. Or they might say, okay, I like what you did here, but it doesn't sync up with the rest of the story, you know, with this on this page here, and it doesn't add up to what you're trying to do with issue two or issue three. So, and once again, it's not the goal of the editor to try to rewrite the story into the editor's vision but it's the you know that the editor is there to help make the writer write the best story possible and and you can always tell the difference between an editor that's trying to help a writer become the best writer possible as opposed to an editor that says you know what my vision of your story is the way you're supposed. this is the way you should go you know what i mean yeah. If, you, if you understand what I'm saying and when, like I said what we try to do and what we've been trying to do for the longest time is just to make sure that the writer is able to write the best story possible it ain't about us it's about making a great book that's what, that's what we want to do so that's what our editors do I just wanted to take a break in the midst of this interview that I'm doing with Mark Johnson to say thank you for everyone who contributed to- to the three-way fundraiser. Uh, The fundraiser was used to raise money for uh, the Red Cross to help with Superstorm Sandy efforts. Artist J.K. Woodward, who lost his home during uh, Superstorm Sandy, and also uh, raising money for the Black Box podcast, which was in need of uh, equipment and upgrades and things like that. Um, We ran the fundraiser uh, the week before Thanksgiving, ran it all the way through Thanksgiving with eBay auctions and or donations through PayPal and because of those that donated or uh, put in bids on, uh, on auctions that I threw up on uh, PayPal, we were able to raise approximately $180 for the three-way fundraiser. Um, I donated $60 to the Red Cross uh, for Superstorm Sandy efforts. I donated another 60 to artist J.K. Woodward, and the other 60 will go towards the Black Box podcast, uh, in which um, I am now going to apply that towards a new microphone for uh, the podcast. So I'm um, because the pod, the microphone that I'm using right now, kind of shorts out actually, it shorts out a lot. And uh, right now, it's behaving itself, but i um, pretty soon it's going to bite the bullet. So, uh, that money will go towards a new microphone for the podcast. Uh, once again, to everyone that donated to the three way fundraiser or uh, purchased an auction off of eBay, I thank you. Um, I you know, words you know, can't say enough. Uh, for everything that um, you all that contributed um, have done for the podcast not only for the podcast but for others as well like I said all about helping people and uh, you know just trying to you know spread some love uh, across the world so um, once again I just wanted to give my sincere thanks and gratitude on behalf of everyone that's part of the black box podcast so uh, thank you Uh, many many thank yous and I truly truly appreciate it now Let's get back on with our interview. We've talked about editorial um, when it comes to like you know ebook publishing as far as writing novels. We talked about the different digital outlets. We talked about you know we've done a compare contrast um, from earlier experiences to the experiences you have now. We've talked about the fact that the sequel is out, even though you didn't tell a brother before we started recording. <laughs> I'm not, I'm mad, dude. I thought you did. <laughs> no, you didn't tell me, dog. You did not tell me. Uh, so, uh, look, now we're going to take a moment out. I need you to tell the people the, the title of the sequel to Catalyst, The Passage of Hell's Fire. They need, to, they need to know the title, and they also need to know a little bit of what the sequel is about
0: all right well the second book of mine is called what once was one and there's a blurb that i, I won't read <laughs> <laughs> no it's it picks up there's slight spoilers for the first book which is okay it's only 2.99 so at the end like one of my biggest uh well i guess one of my biggest um not flaws critiques i will go with critiques critiques of uh, catalyst was that it was a very paint-by-numbers uh, fantasy. Uh, and while I won't disagree with that, it was kind of paint-by-numbers. You kind of knew where things were going to go. Um, and so this one, I, I can pick that up. Like, Stratus, uh, the master, has died. And the evil wizard, Premier, uh, was defeated but not killed. So the story picks that up from... That point uh a month later, I believe, and then Hellsfire has to go to the wastelands uh where all the like ogres and goblins and all sorts of foul shit lurk, and he has to not kill Premier, but he has to retrieve a book that is giving Premier his powers, and it's gonna be hard, yeah, that's pretty much the premise, and it it goes. It branches. It probably the first half of the book is about that, and then it branches out to maybe where you don't think it's going to go. Yeah, is that is that good? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know how to talk about my own book. <laughs> see, well, well, that's the thing. See, that's that's one of the things you got to work on. See, <sighs>
0: yeah, it's I don't know. It's well, you get people have told me that they're more emotionally invested with Hell's Fire. I guess because the first book. I got the setup shit out the way like his training of the powers and uh, meaning of the allies and whatnot. all that shit's gone so now you get to see more of his home more of what he thinks and his relationship between him and the princess grow and there's going to be uh, some struggles there um, and, then you, and then you get to see how he he's now officially a wizard and how he has to carry on the responsibilities without any guidance And using his powers and there's still at the end of the first book he tapped into a power that still he's still unsure of and there's no other wizards around in northern shellac except for premier and he's a bit afraid of what it might do and what it means to him so um yeah
1: it's a little better yeah that's that's <laughs> much better see that's much better see they see that's all we look man we just training that's what we're doing right now we're training you man we just training and see now you talk to somebody else you're gonna have that down and then they're gonna say i got to get that
0: well ho- hopefully you people will uh get that people love my second cover by the way <laughs> that that's all i know now um but yeah, so the second book just just picks off, and then you know we just go from there.
1: Cool. Now, listen, you said the first book is still available digitally um, for two ninety nine. Now, how much is the sequel going for, and how many pages um, is the sequel?
0: I uh, the second one is four ninety nine, and it is the first book was ninety thousand words, which I don't. Amazon will tell you it's two hundred and something, but I think it was basically about 300 pages uh and the second book maybe translated 320 330 pages something like that Mm -hmm. so it's bigger and thicker (laughs) um yeah so you get i mean you get more bang for your buck i suppose
1: now and now also what digital venue what digital venues can readers find this book at
0: all right. So while the first book is uh, pretty much everywhere, the second book is Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and Smashwords. I mean, I uploaded it to Smashwords over a month ago. Yeah, my book. My book came out last month, so it's it's gonna take some time before you can buy it from you know Kobo or Sony or Apple it'll eventually be there my guess is like i don't know two three months don't ask why it's slow people throw hissy fits over that um but you can buy it at those three places and if you can if you buy it at like smashwords if you're against one of those people i don't understand those people but if you're against one of those people that hate amazon uh you can buy it at smashwords drm free and pretty much any format uh, and then upload it and to whatever system you want from there, which i've I know some people've done, so it's only yeah, those three places
1: cool no that no that, that's cool, man, I mean, but see that's the whole thing you have to let people know where they can get it because if they don't know how they're gonna buy it and then you're gonna be forever in the red, and then you're gonna be mad at everybody, so <laughs> you gotta let people know where where it's at, you gotta let them know
0: that's all right i'm i don't know if i'm slow hey man i you know when i got my tax return i because this is all business expense i've brought off editing that was a pretty huge tax return i'll tell you that much (laughs) (laughs) so i was like whoa um but yeah oh by the way to the people that want to get their things edited and but they say they can't afford it i really hate those people that say they can't afford it because for me this is a dream right when you have a dream It's all or nothing. There is no in-between. You go for it. You don't, like, half-ass it. So I I script. I know, as uh, someone reminded me, I don't have a wife or kids. And, you know, no school debt or no credit debt. Um, So I, I saved a lot of money. And I got cheap rent and whatnot. I saved money and to pay for my editor. It wasn't that someone... Although, if you can get someone to lend you the money, that'd be good. But you just save, you know i don't know 20 bucks a month 50 bucks a month whatever uh, work some odd jobs and then you eventually get the money and you don't have to pay it all at once like i think i paid a third or two thirds and then the rest upon completion and then you, you know it's uh that's how you, that's how you save your money yeah and then it, it helps that i don't have any vices i don't really drink or smoke or drink coffee
1: Man, I got to live a boring life. <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: live a, I live a sad, lonely, boring life.
1: Oh, stop it. Stop uh, it. Yay, man. You, you're you writing you're writing novels. That's one thing that you really want to do, and you want to make a career out of it. So you're not boring, you know? Now I'm not saying that you got to go out and do skydiving or anything like that, but just, man, hey, quit being so hard on yourself.
0: Hey, I want to go skydiving. But not tandem skydiving, because that's for pussies. I want to do, like, point break. <laughs>
1: That's what I want to do. See, you crazy. You go. You can do that all by yourself. Because I'm no, I'm not fooling with that mess. I'm not fooling with that. New, new, Simply
0: do skydiving. I hate that, buddy, buddy. Like I want to do twirls and surfing, all oh, that spins and everything.
1: Man, I was watching uh, for like one night when I was sick for a while. I had like my iPad up and I had Netflix, and I said, you know what? I want to watch Moonraker. And And like the uh, the well, when Bond finally shows up in Moonraker, he ends up getting thrown out of a plane because you know the plane's gonna crash or whatever. They somebody sabotaged a plane, then hopped out with a parachute, and Bond didn't have a parachute, so he's like you know flying you know coasting through the air, and he finally finds the dude that has a parachute, and then like they have a fight midair, and he takes the parachute away from the guy, (laughs) And, and like I'm looking at this and I'm like, man, I know this is all choreographed and worked out. And anytime they cut to a close-up of Roger Moore, yeah. you, know, you could tell it's fake. But, you know, but when they cut back, you know it's the stunt double and they're doing all this stuff, man. I'm like, that's just dangerous. I mean, this was like 1977. And <laughs> I'm like, this is just dangerous. I don't know how these cats do this stuff. It was just insane, but it was, I mean, it's awesome. But also at the same time, I was like, man, that just looks frightening.
0: Well, you, you get me all wrong. I want to go and have a parachute on me. I don't want to be, like, in a movie <laughs> and jump out the line and then try to get the guy. No, no. I want a parachute on me, man. This okay. ain't uh, Wesley Snipes, like, Dead Zone or whatever. What's oh. that called? Dead uh, uh, Drop. drop uh, no, uh, joke, it was a
1: Kill Zone, right? I don't know. Something's Drop Zone. They? It was Drop, drop Zone. Drop Zone, yeah. Because yeah. they had Parker Lewis in it. from Corky Corn from Parker Lewis Can't Lose was in that movie, so... Uh, was he? Yeah, I don't man. Remember that? Yeah, he was in it. Yes, yes. Please don't ask me why. How I remember that? How you, how you know that, man? I don't know. I just do. Before we go, we there's one thing we gotta talk about. We're gonna also talk about this at a later date because I gotta get I gotta get Mark back on the show and also bring on some more um folks on the show to talk about this. And actually we you tried bring to,
0: Bill. You bring
1: Bill. Yeah, we could probably get Bill. Yeah, we probably we probably could get Bill, yes, uh, Bill McGonnell on you know on for this too. We tried, myself and Mark uh, a couple months ago. We did a podcast where we talked about all of the star trek movies from yeah the, we did from the motion picture all the way to the last star trek movie the current um we well actually we talked about them all with the exception of the jj J. abrams movie we're just talking about the <laughs> original original batch that's not a knock on the jj J. abrams films at all film at all but we just talked about the quote-unquote original batch of star trek films now this was before this was before you know mark knew you know he knew of some of the original <laughs> trek movies but hadn't <laughs> watched all the original Trek movies but see now he's watched them all see
0: I watched them all I was just young and I didn't finish
1: like the first one Dude, see there you go, <laughs> there you go. see well, a lot of people didn't finish the first one um Good man. <laughs> hey hey man look, I'm sorry I can't co-sign that movie man I can't I'm not I'm not trying not to be I'm not a spiteful mean person I have a copy of it I still can't get through it what i mean i've watched it a number of times i I have i seriously i've watched star trek the motion picture a number of times as a child a teenager in my 20s and i've watched it in my 30s it's just like i said before and i've talked about it lightly on the podcast a couple of times to me it's just an extended tv episode there are there are some beautiful shots in that movie but like if i need to take a nap only thing i need to do is pop pop that movie in and i'm good
0: See, I, I disagree with you. I think it's very different because when we talked in that I like to call the greatest PKD black box episode never to be aired, <laughs> when we talked, I haven't really seen the original series, so now I have. I'm actually now in the middle of next gen, which I have seen. Um, I think the I see I disagree. The motion picture is nothing like the original series. I don't think it's an extended TV, uh, like a episode, as you put it.
1: Um, I well, I, I'm not saying that it's an extension of the TV series, but it comes off as something that honestly could have been on television. That's what I mean.
0: Uh, okay, let me. Okay, so there's this thing you also never watched besides V-Sports called Red Letter Media. You
1: still haven't seen that, have you? No, I have. I have not, sir. No, I have.
0: Okay, not. well, he broke down uh, the Abrams movie. Um, but that's like his first review that he liked <clears throat> By the way um, But he said there, he, There's this brilliant part of the scale And he goes Star Trek movies can be ranked Like the boring On one end of the spectrum To action on the other end So But they're generally good If they're on one end It's like on one end you have the motion picture right? On the other end you have The Wrath of Khan in the Abrams movie. And then in the middle is where you get the bad ones because it's, like, pretty much all the next-gen movies are in the middle. They're pretty bad. They're not really action-y or, like...
1: Well, first the, Contact what, was action
0: yeah, 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 but it wasn't... That is...
1: I love that movie, but it's not... A good movie. It's the best next generation movie, though. That's not saying much, dude. That- <laughs> dude, we, we, we'll talk about that later. Seriously, we'll talk about that no, later yeah. on. Yeah, but no, you're right, I, and, and I agree with you to a point. But it's still the best one.
0: Yeah, I agree. It is the best one. That's because the other three were so fucking bad. But it is not like it is so against next gen. Like I'm watching next gen right now. Not like right now, right now, but right now and i forgot like i love picard he's now my favorite captain again which will probably change when i get to ds9 again because it always does <laughs> um but he is not an actiony guy so on the next gen movies you get you get like 180 degree from the show the show is not an actiony show even when they have the cardassian war which you never see but then the movies you have in all this action and picard like Ah, duh, 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 driving around in his dune buggy and war with this purple space bazooka and those movies are horrible man they're not next gen movies
1: but see I think they had to be that way in some in some spot see the thing is the films could have been they could have been action paced but still had the heart of the TV series because once again you're going to a thing where you have moved from a smaller medium to a larger medium. So everything is larger in scale. And sometimes people think, okay, we need more action. But if you'd have had more of the quote unquote humanistic elements of the TV series put into those movies on top of that action, I think there would have been less complaints and possibly better films. Plus you were, plus the other thing is, is that those movies, those next generation movies were always under the gun because Paramount, and the producer said, it's not really, and I'm paraphrasing, it's not about the quality of the film as much as we need a Star Trek movie out on this date at this time. That's all that mattered. Story, yeah. st- you know story be damned because there's a story behind um, the generations film the movie that ended up on screen and the movie that was supposed to happen and once again we will talk about this in full length when we, have, when we do this episode are two different things. What was supposed to happen as far as a movie goes probably would have been amazing but instead because of you know certain issues of like you know what no 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 we just need a Trek movie out by this date this date at this time so hurry the fuck up let's get this done
0: yeah i know i agree but i still think they could have been on the other end of the spectrum like the voyage home right the whale one really it's not very y packed but i it's the highest grossing star trek film um adjusted for inflation but it's still like a damn good movie if they don't I don't know. Then They probably shouldn't have just made movies for the TNG. They could have ended. They, look, I would have loved to have seen the final episode of TNG on the screen. That would have been a great movie. Yeah. All good
1: things. Yeah, all good things. It was a, Yeah, that was a great finale. I agree with you 100% yeah. on that. hundred percent.
0: Not very action-y though, Sean. I don't know if you like it.
1: No, I like it. See, dude, <laughs> you must understand. I You know, I grew up on Next Generation, dude. I mean, like I watched original Star Trek as a kid. And I also was like every, you know, the, you know, the nights like in my neighborhood is either Friday or Saturday. Saturday or Saturday Star Trek Next Generation come on I'd be right in front of the TV you know almost every week or if not I had you know I taped it so so yeah man I was all about that all of it in, you know every episode and yeah it's then it wasn't heavily action-packed but then when you did get action you did you get like you know some battleship action or you know you might get Riker flipping you know throwing somebody or punching somebody or Worf getting beat up um <laughs> Man, Worf got punked so Yeah,
0: Worf War- was a fucking... I forgot how bad a security guard he was. Man, Picard gets taken, Chip gets taken over, <laughs> he lets people...
1: I'm like, dude, the fuck do your job, man? I'm like, quit getting punked, man. Yeah. Just once, quit getting punked, but no. So, on a later date, we we're going to get... We we're going to, you know, just get like a panel of esteemed colleagues... Uh, for the PKD Black Box, and we're gonna talk about these Star Trek movies. Yeah, or we, we could do our top five, top three episodes, man. Yeah, Favorite we could episode. do that too. We could, we could do that too. Yes, we already
0: could. talked yeah. about the movies, man.
1: Well, no, we did, but see, but once again, when we tried this the first time, amidst all the technical problems, see, you know, you are like well steeped now. See, before I am.
0: We, I've seen all of Star Trek now, even yeah. the animated series,
1: which isn't this is pretty good. You know, the here's the thing with the animated series, okay? The stories. The stories are, are are pretty well written, and some of them are actually written by you know cats that wrote Star Trek, you know Star Trek the original series episodes, episodes, right? Yeah. The problem with some of those episodes is, is that it's just that when you're older, you notice all the filmation che- animation cheats. Oh
0: yeah, it's bad animation, man.
1: You you you, you know you notice all the cheats. And that's where sometimes it can be difficult to watch. There are some filmation cartoons I can watch from beginning to end and just, you know, enjoy and love. The inner child is happy and the older child is happy. But there are some where as soon as I sit down and start watching even if I try to turn this section off in my brain, it won't. And I can say, okay, that's just been reused. Okay, that's they 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 flipped the uh, animation cell, and so now the character looks like they're going to the left when actually it was just a cell to where they were going to the right because the character's symbol is now reversed. And you, you notice, you start to notice all the cheats. I'm like, fuck! I just want to enjoy this cartoon.
0: So you don't watch any cartoons. Prior to the 90s, oh then. No, 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 no. I don't watch I still G1 do. or Thundercats. Oh,
1: oh, dude, I'll, I'll, I'll watch all of that, dude. And, oh, yeah, you'll see all the cheats and, yeah. and like, the flaws. And, I, and I'll still watch them and love them. Like, I don't know how many, like, Transformer episodes I watched from way back when. And I noticed, I noticed like, the, the mess-ups when I was a kid. Especially the ones that, like, went through uh, Acom, the episodes of Transformers that went through Acom Studios that was run by Flint Dill. Dude, yeah. any of those episodes, those were normally... A lot of times, the worst, worst, sorry, no, I shouldn't say worst, but the the most mistake-filled episodes. You know, there was also a rumor one time that um, for the ori- you know, for Batman the animated series in the '90s, that uh, Flint Dill Studio did a couple episodes, but when they brought them back to um, to the executive producers, they saw them and they were so bad they just fired them. They were like, "Yeah, this is not up to quality." No, this is unacceptable. Boom, done. So uh, so yeah, man no no no. I dude, I will watch cartoons from yesteryear and and today in a heartbeat. I love I love this transition of All these phases of animation from the '60s to like the like the old 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 school Marvel cartoons, where they're basically like the original motion comics, Um, you know, where they took like old comic book stills and just animated the mouths a little bit and showed a little bit of action to to what we have now with Disney's you know Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes cartoon. I mean, I love looking at this transition for like over you know 60 years. Uh, you know, it just—it's—it's it's amazing. It's—it's—it's it's, it's amazing to me.
0: You sound kind of snobbish with your <laughs> oh, <see, laughs> kind of see You got a No,
1: you got jokes. No, nah, dude. No, nah, dude. <laughs> I ain't—I ain't bougie when it comes when it comes to cartoons, man. You know, I like you know, I like what I like, but also at the same time, it's—it's it's also yeah. Sometimes it can be a study. Yeah. Uh, you know, a study of you know the history of animation, and I mean, it's just just one of those things you you, you just kind of learn if you love it and it's something especially for like a long period of time in my life I really wanted to get into animation I just didn't know how And but you know but I studied this stuff I remember studying it um, especially during my teenage years like Hanna-Barbera dude like any book I could find on Hanna-Barbera cartoons like I'd just go to the library and just like grab them and like try to absorb as much as possible We've, we've gone over over an hour, my friend.
0: You know, you've had other guests have like two, hour, two brother, or I, hours, two hours. Brother, I, I, I know. I,
1: I see, there you go again. <laughs> last episode yeah. or two of Two God Heard. No, 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 no. See, see there you go again. <laughs> there you go. There you go. See, brother, you're pushing it now. See, you're pushing it now. See, see, you know. Hey, man, this is the third time you've been on the show, though.
0: Wait, is this? Oh, yeah, the third.
1: This, this is the third. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So one
0: you, a year. <laughs> one a
1: year. I like how you threw that in my face. I like how you throw that in my face, you know, like 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 them relatives that like get mad when you don't come over their house. Um, (laughs) But no, look, we'll have you back again. A sooner date. We'll talk some Star Trek. It'll be fun. But listen, what I need you to do right now is Mm -hmm. tell everyone where they can find your books digitally, where they can find your blog and where they can find anything else about you. So they know where to read you know catalyst the passage of, of the passage of hell's fire and its sequel all
0: right well you can uh i don't know where to go you can you can you can buy catalyst pretty much anywhere even diesel ebooks which i'm still not entirely sure what the diesel ebook is um uh, and then like i said before what once was one amazon barnes and nobles and smashwords are your best bets for now and in, in a couple months hopefully sooner we'll eventually get on uh you know kobo and sony and apple or whatever and you can catch me you can follow me read my blog where i talk about i don't talk about writing all the time because that shit's kind of boring <clears throat> uh or the drama in the publishing industry yeah i talk about whatever i feel like you know you can find all this info at mark my name m-a-r-c there's another Mark Johnson out there. Can you believe that? <laughs> Another writer, Mark Johnson. It's very disconcerting. <laughs> um, and then the Facebook page, Facebook.com slash uh, Mark Johnson author. And then my Twitter, where I talk about pretty much whatever sport or show I'm watching or whatever geeky article I leak. Twitter.com slash Hellsfire. And then I'm on Goodreads, where you can uh, read my review. Which, there's a long URL But, you know, it's Mark Johnson <laughs> You can find that easily um, And then I used to have a podcast But not so much anymore I do want to get back into podcasting But it'd be nice to have a host And to be honest, Vertigo uh, Is not really doing any good stuff right now I feel like starting I for Image Or I for IDW Because those are good They've got good stuff Like Ghostbusters, which you've not read Sean, have you read that? No John, dude, you're a bigger Ghostbusters fan than I am. Actually. I know. I, w-
1: once again, man, it, it, it all comes down to time. Or if I get the books, I have to stack them up, and then eventually, I will get to reading them. I mean, you got to, like I said, man, you got to understand. I time is of the essence, and there are other things I got to take care of before I can go have fun.
0: You work in an office. That, well, that might have been why I got laid off. I did a lot more <laughs> reading when I was in the office. Uh, when i worked in the office i was reading like three to five books at a time finishing them in like two weeks
1: brother i got to work
0: (laughs) dude it's office job there's plenty haven't you watched the office with michael scott
1: yes yes i used to watch the office yes sir sir.
0: yeah it's bad now um but yeah those are the places where you can find me i'm pretty easy to contact and Whatnot. And yeah, thanks for having me on, Sean. I really appreciate it, dude.
1: Hey, you welcome, man. You welcome anytime and anytime. And once again, we will have you back. We'll do the Star Trek episode. Twenty
0: thirteen.
1: Well, by the time that Star Trek thing comes out, yeah, it will be twenty thirteen. Uh but and as far as but hopefully sooner in twenty thirteen than maybe later. Maybe the new movie with uh Sherlock. Oh yeah, that is right. That is coming out. Yeah. I don't know that when that comes out though. Oh yeah. oh yeah. But we'll we'll do it before then, that's for sure. But uh no, seriously, Mark, thanks for uh, being on the show, brother.
0: No problem. I enjoy talking to you, as always. All right.
1: And that concludes this week's Black Box. The Black Box is a proud member of the HHWLOD Podcast Network and is available at HHWLOD.com and is also available via iTunes. If you're on iTunes or our forum board, feel free to leave us a comment. Thanks again for listening. Until then, dream big and hustle hard.